Hey, so before we get on with this episode, I just wanted to let you know that a good friend of ours, her name is Ariel. She just came out with a great new single. It's called Your Perfect One. Go check it out. It's what you're hearing in the background right now. Uh, go check it out on iTunes, Spotify. Go listen to it. Support her. She's a worship leader in the House of Prayer and an intercessory missionary. So go check her out, Ariel Jodine. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll have more of the song to play. And the full EP will be coming out November 22nd. So make sure you connect with her on Facebook and Instagram. We'll have it all in the show notes for you. So last episode, we were joined by Joel and Alyssa. We had a conversation about caring for the creatives, and the conversation went many different directions, but it was really good, I think. And we just wanted to continue that conversation because I feel like there's a lot that we didn't get to talk about. So that's what we're going to do this week. the Burning Rooms podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we have the conversations, share the stories to strengthen your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. And we are joined once again by Joel. Hello. And Alyssa. Hello. Welcome back. It's great to have you again to continue this conversation. So last week, like I said, we talked about a few different things. Uh, our topic this week, we wanted to focus a little bit on, and we'll see how how well we can focus on it this week. We want to talk about talent versus heart. Jehu, what do we mean when we talk about talent versus heart? I think we can all remember an experience where there was a worship leader or someone in the congregation who had a lot of heart. Like they were, they clearly loved the Lord. They clearly wanted to be there. But the talent piece, like they're just off, off key. They, their guitar is out of tune. They were just belting. They were off, you know, like... I always think of the clapper. Like I always think of, and I, I love clapping. I love clapping. So don't get me wrong, but it's the, it's the idea that you're clapping and your clap is not synced up with the kick drum. And I think that that's an example where there's a, a clear heart there where we love the Lord, but maybe the talent's not quite caught up with it. Maybe they're not kind of in sync. And so, and of course, there's the other option too, where you could, I've, I've heard stories of you have a professional, your job, you're a professional worship leader, um, but there's questions of where your heart's at in in the actual activity of it. Or even professional musician or singer that's coming into a context where they've never been on a worship team or anything before. I've heard that, but I've heard that so many times. No, no, about the clapping is that I was at a music competition, a local one, and the person that was on stage was encouraging the people to clap. And the judges said, don't do that. Don't ever do that because the crowd is not going to be in tempo with you. You have to be the one that sets the tempo and they might throw you off. I mean, it depends on your context, too. I mean, there are many churches that they encourage clapping. They clap for every song, and that's just part of their culture. In the House of Prayer, it's quite different where it's very few times where you're going to see people, especially the whole congregation, clapping. I mean, it's biblical to clap, but uh, how do we sync good clapping with 
biblical clapping like where's well, the balance there well even from a bit of a physics perspective you end up with a lot of problems with clapping if your room is small then it, it doesn't really affect it but as soon as you have a big space like i remember being at the one thing conference uh, at international house of prayer and because you have such a long space the timing is weird because you clap but that clap sound isn't going to be at the same time everywhere across the room because sound takes time to travel and so if you're on stage playing and i have experienced this a couple times your the clap that you're hearing from them is out of sync even though they're actually clapping on time it's it's the weirdest physics thing because the sound takes time to travel they're clapping at the right time but because it's taking time to travel back to you on stage it sounds like it's out of sync wow so i mean continuing on this clapping conversation (laughs) i don't know why we're going here but it's interesting um I read a book, uh, Kevin J. Connor, he talks about the Tabernacle of David and how there were actually priests and their prime, their primary job as priests, their primary role was to be the clapping priests. <laughs> they, would, they would be the ones that clap. So maybe in a house of prayer context, maybe we need to have, like if you want to have a clapping community, maybe they need to be... I think they would they would need a click track though. And that's I mean th- that's the thing with and I I meant that only as a um it was just one musician up on stage. So I think most musicians nowadays depending on the church have a click track in their ears or they have in ear monitors so they can't really hear. So many times I remember going to John Bowler's hear the music and he would say I have to take my monitors out cuz I want to hear you and I want to hear you sing. So if you want to be a clapper maybe you need to be part of the worship team. Joel, what do you think? Um We'll have that conversation outside of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can move on from clapping. That's okay with me. I mean, I'd love to add one more clapping thing. If you're looking for proper clap technique, that's also a big thing. Because I used to have terrible, my claps would just sound kind of weak. And so if you kind of cup your hand properly, you're not actually trying to make the clap sound by hitting your hands together. You're trying to make the clap sound by the air rushing in kind of a pocket. And so, yeah, I can hear them all clapping in the background, right? There's a difference between the kind of weak clap and the real good, you know... It should it should ring out. It should be an instrument. I mean, I'd like to see. I I like the applause <laughs> clapping when it's for the Lord. You know, you get that moment where the like Lord the shouts to the Lord, applause yeah, to the Lord. I know, I know some people in our house of prayer that do that sometimes, where the Lord does something and they just feel the presence of the Lord and they feel like they have to applaud what He's doing. And I I think that's cool. There's a place for that. I'll take that any day. Unless, of course, it's going to throw off my beat on my set. (laughs) (laughs) So moving on from the clapping discussion, as much as we might want to title this episode, (laughs) How to Clap in the House of Prayer. a whole episode on clapping. (laughs) If we're thinking about just a place to jump off, uh, how would you explain the difference between, between music and worship? Because you can have a lot of talent in music, but I don't know if that translates necessarily into worship. Are those two the same? Are they different? What are your thoughts around the table? Yeah, I think that for myself, I mean, I would look at music as a means also for entertainment. And I like many types of music styles and genres. And But sometimes I just I can't engage my heart in the music. I think that I could really enjoy and in the musicianship, the creativity. But there just is a disconnect with my heart in the midst of what's being played. But then in the context of worship, I think worship is very it's a powerful means to to speak volumes to a heart. 
I remember uh, going into the House of Prayer in Kansas City for the very first time. We had no clue really what to expect other than obviously, you know, it's going to be the prayer room. The musicians are going to be on stage. Uh, And out of all the instruments and musicians, my favorite are the guitar players. I don't know why. It just happened. So we walked in (laughs) and we went to the front row. We sat down and who walks on stage but my favorite guitarist. And he just like slams down his pedal board. And I was like, finally, it's a musician with a pedal board. Like, this is going to be good. And then he brings out like either as a Gibson or a Gretsch guitar. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get the good stuff now. So it's almost, it's like this this combination of, I think probably the House of Prayer and when uh, Hillsong United released just their backing tracks, just the music alone, I could worship to. Um, and I'm sure there's a much more interesting spiritual conversation of like, you know, where was that music birthed and, and how was it created, um, especially in the prayer room itself. But just listening to that guitar or listening to the piano, it was almost more to me than voices because, I mean... Our voice is so powerful. You know, it says numerous times in the Bible, the power of life and death is in your tongue. It's in Proverbs. And we have such power with our words and we can direct people. Like it's it's huge to be, to have that gift as a worship leader or to have that calling. You know, we can direct where this worship is going. But to even just have your instrument, like how are you going to do it? Are you going to um, pray while you're on your guitar, piano? How are you going to engage people in worship while playing an instrument before the Lord? Uh, just because you have an amazing guitar, you know, just because you have an amazing pedal board, you listen to uh, the best musicians, You oh, and you have the best connections. That's also something. Winnipeg isn't as much, but um, it means, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get in, I'm going to get on the worship team, or I'm going to record the best album, or, you know, because I'm doing this for God, and da-da-da. And so you've got all this talent, but if you don't have the heart behind it, then it's going to be very hollow, spiritually speaking. So it's tempting as a house of prayer, often looking for more musicians because we have so many hours, we're looking for more musicians to fill in our hours. So when we get a talented musician come into our midst, it's it's very tempting often to get them on a worship team right away. But maybe they're not called to your ministry. So how do you know if they're called to the prayer room or if they're called to be an entertainer or a musician or creative outside of the prayer room? It's a, it's a good question because one thing that we haven't answered that I've always said that Christian music is at least five to 10 years behind the secular industry. And we can make it look like the secular industry. We can say, oh, this artist sounds exactly like blah, blah, blah. Or somehow out of years and years, Hillsong United can always uh, debut at number one on the Billboard charts, right? But does that mean that, you know, they're fit for the prayer room? It could be just, you know, where are you on your journey? Um, just because you have the talent, do you have the heart? It might it might not even be the right fit. They might be the kind of person like myself, although I am highly creative. I also love structure. If I don't have structure, uh, even though I have a garden, I tend to, and I can be as creative as I want. I know it's just that garden. It's, you know, certain times of the day, I can control the inputs. I can control the flowers and be creative. But if it was like, yeah, just do whatever you want, wherever you want, you know, as the spirit moves you, I'd be like, you know, I need more structure. Versus, you know, somebody else might might just say, depending on where they are, I want more creative. I want more creative control. Right now, I feel that that question, it can go to many, many avenues. And it's just that. Um, it's a question that's always needed to be asked. Whenever I got CDs in the mail, I would I would feel bad because 90% of them, even though I was on indie radio, I couldn't play them because they couldn't match 
you know, the other artists I'd play, but I didn't know their heart, right? So it's like, how could I call into question what their heart was was speaking or saying, or maybe other people were connecting with their songs. So, and yet for me, I had to be the quote unquote judge of like, okay, well, this music, will it match up with say Starfield or John Bowler at the time or, or whatnot, Chris Tomlin, right? Meanwhile, if I had seen them in their own own church or in a, in a concert hall or something, I could have been like God smacked and been like, whoa, that's amazing. Versus back in, I think 2004 at the Vibe Awards in Calgary, there was 22 kind of unknown artists. You had to sit through all of them. You had to judge all of them, cast your votes over who's going to win Best New Artist. And I think one of the last ones was Greg Sabell. I had no idea who he was. He was like 16 or 17 at the time, got on the stage, played that piano, and the whole crowd was just, oh my gosh, this kid is amazing. He's talented. He's energetic. He, he obviously is worshipful. And and it was huge. He won. And he released many albums after, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's sort of like hit and miss. Like, should I work on my talent? Maybe I'm not, you know, just suddenly amazingly blessed by the Lord. Or maybe I am going to have to work at this. Maybe I'm going to have to find other artists I can team up with and get mentored by, like Joel, just to figure out, is the prayer room a good fit for me? Should I just be doing my own thing? Maybe I'm just supposed to be your writer. Who knows? I think one of the mistakes we make is trying to make them fit into our mold too, right? If there's a talented musician that comes in, wanting them to sound like everybody else in the house of prayer does so that they kind of fit in. I mean, IHOP's been really good with this actually, where they invite musicians and singers and songwriters in, and they have a vast variety of different genres in their prayer room. I think, but I think for a smaller community, this is a bit more challenging just because of some of the sound dynamics. And what would you say? Yeah, I, I think it is a very a much a big challenge because I mean it also is very subjective to what is being played in the prayer room. Um, even in my role as a prayer room coordinator, I I have to determine whether or not this like what um, musician, whatever instrument that they're playing is actually suitable to complement um, the team, and it's not just a one-off instrument that is dominating the actual um, worship context. And so it, there's, a, there's a bigger question here of, it's not questioning their artistry or their creativity or their innovation, but it's actually whether or not the heart posture is huge. The heart posture, it, it really speaks volumes uh, for them. And also whether or not it is complementary to the vision of the team. I think, and even what you're saying, Alyssa, in your context, uh, you just got like um, a faceless, nameless CD that you just had to kind of judge based on almost technical merit. Whereas in our context, we can get to know the person. And in that case, you kind of don't have an excuse to to wonder about their heart or not, because you should be getting to know the person, going for coffee with them, learning their story. And so you can really hear that heart posture that when you're saying, you know, you might have somebody who well, it was kind of 50-50, I'm not sure if this is radio quality, where in our context, if somebody is kind of on the edge, but we know about their heart, we know their heart posture, it's much easier to say, yes, you know, we're going to find a way to, to get you on here. Um, I'm thinking radio quality, not necessarily room quality, but the it does bring up the, the question of what happens when their heart is great, but but it's a little bit below even, you know, in the radio sense, it's easy to just kind of toss that CD out, but we can't just toss people out. What do we do? And I mean, I'll put this to you, Joel, but to, to the table, when somebody's skill, their technical ability, it's just not where it needs to be to serve the room. 
And um, yeah, that's a great question, Jehu. Um, it has been very much a big learning curve for me with trying to trying to find like other methods and how to enhance their skill to for them to grow in it. You know, I would suggest simple things as like maybe have you been taking voice lessons or have you been taking any sort of other training to grow in your musicianship? You know, simple things as even YouTube is a unfortunately YouTube is a pretty good like resource to use for those that are just wanting to like grow in their musicianship or like singing along like in the seats and seeing whether or not you could follow the like the melody i think that's very huge but it it is a challenge uh, because every individual that that want to um step into that role their hearts are kind of intertwined in it it's tough to navigate from a pastoral perspective would you say it's very hard <laughs> so we're having a conversation about balancing heart and talent. And I mean, we all want the talent. We want the good quality worship in our house of prayer or in our church context. But I think what we're saying is that's not really the most important thing. So where do we find that balance between excellence in musicianship and heart? You have to strive for excellence, but but what is that excellence? And you can't make it be all about being perfect, right? The perfection, because it all has to originate about worshiping Jesus, worshiping the Lord, you know, getting hearts engaged, which we've, we've talked about, um, Psalm 27. But um, but you still want to say, you know, if you say, oh, people think I sound good, I sound good, the Lord says I sound good. Um, and yet you still want to, I think, listen to, you know, many kind of worship songs, different kinds of music, just to still be able to stretch your craft or creativeness and to see how you can get better and better. Not so it's all consuming, because obviously there's only one we should be all consuming towards. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to want to become excellent. Just don't let it be the only thing. Well, the fact of the matter is the prayer room environment is, it is not a personal environment. It's it's a corporate setting. So when you're leading corporate worship or you're part of a corporate worship team, you need to have some level of excellence and you need to be striving to get better at, at what you're doing. Scripture says, mm-hmm. play skillfully unto the Lord. And again, that's not the most important thing, being skillful. It's that it's unto the Lord. But when you're doing it corporately, there is some sort of expectation, correct? As a younger person, when I was going to the house of prayer, I think what's really important is to have avenues to get on teams. And so if somebody's not able to sing or play an instrument because their skill is still growing, I think there needs to be a conversation that says, you know what, we want to get you doing slides. We want to get you prayer leading. We want to get you on the soundboard. We want to get you as a dedicated member of this team who's not doing anything, but you're coming to the briefings, you're coming to the debriefings, you're able to come to the wind up and the kickoff. You are part of this team. It's your hour. We want you as a team member, even if you don't have a specific uh, role on stage, because there's lots to do off stage. And as a young person, when I was coming, I think sometimes that's just more than anything what I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to be a part of a team. It didn't have to be I need to be up there having my voice heard. I just wanted to be part of that camaraderie. And so making that another option for them, I think, is huge just from a pastoral perspective. I going to say, uh, when I first started coming to the House of Prayer, uh, even though I was, you know, face, faceless, nameless, whatnot, definitely not um, musical. Uh, however, there was one staff person who would always be like, hey, why don't you come, you know, pray on the mic or 
or be involved. And I remember when I, and it was years later when Brian asked me to become a prayer leader. And I mean, my very first set, I was so nervous. I don't think I actually said anything. And yet afterwards, uh, Brian Creary said, that was great. That was great. Good job. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> and yet we still went through the debrief as a team. And it was still like, okay, I'm valued, even though you know, honestly, I didn't do a single thing vocally, right? But maybe I I did pray or or maybe it was even just like a physical posture of worship or or getting engaged. And so I thought, wow, okay, I, I actually did bring some value to this team. Alyssa, you're telling us about this passage in scripture that this conversation was reminding you of. Want to share that? A long uh, a long time ago, and I don't know what musician it was, but for some reason it's been it's been always uh, stuck in my head. It was First Samuel sixteen seventeen, and uh, it says, "So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me.'" And it, at first it was just there, and then tonight I kept on reading, and it says, "One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war." prudent in speech and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David. Like, this is the David. And yet, at first I was all like, oh yeah, skillful man. Like, this is it. I just, you know, I, I need, we need skillful musicians. And yet, it turns out, boom, David. <laughs> yeah, David's not usually known for his skillfulness. He's known for his his heart posture, that he's he's the one who has a heart after God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a really interesting mix there in that verse. And I think that even in the context of a prayer room, um, just the desire for excellence and playing your instrument and singing well, it's okay to make those mistakes. And sometimes I am very guilty of making those mistakes in the midst of worship sets. I will sing the wrong words. I will probably play the wrong notes. I will probably laugh in the middle of a worship set, but the Lord delights in it, and and it's okay. The the Lord, there's joy in the house of prayer. There's joy in the place of learning from our mistakes. There's joy in the place of moving forward together as a team and understanding that the heart is the biggest. Uh, it's all about the heart at the end of the day. So what would you say for people on the other end of the spectrum? So now you're, you're on the other end. Your talent is, is up there. Um, you, maybe it's from a classical perspective and you're in a, in a choir or you're in a, a symphony. Maybe it's from a, a perspective of just, you know, you've been playing electric guitar for decades. Your talent is up there. You've really mastered your craft, but you're working a different job. What do you say to those people? Are they, should they be in ministry? Are they called to ministry? Yes, no, like what is that? What do you do with that? I think the first thing that I would do is I would ask, would does this interest you? <laughs> like, do you would you like to play your instrument, you know, in the prayer room or in the church like setting? Would you like to sing on the worship team? Would you like to try singing on a devo, you know, with another person? I think it's it's that invitational component that is sometimes missing. And so when people don't get asked, they sit dormant and they are not, they're not utilizing their skill to the fullest. And I think the biggest thing is first, I would just ask them first, does this interest you? And then I'm like, does that make sense to you? Does does the vision of what we're doing here, does that line up with what you have visioned for? And, you know, how can we make it work? I think it's an interesting question because, um, being in the house of prayer, which is usually small and very intimate, but also being part of a mega church for many years, 
it's it's the other end of the spectrum of it has to be perfect. It has to be on key. You have to be in sync together. You know, you have to all look, for lack of a better word, you know, shiny, happy, cheerful, or just very emotional and engaged to help the crowd get engaged with the song. And it's like, well, how do you draw that line? And it, and it's hard because, you know, how do you draw the line of, well, you know, maybe you grew up where you, you had to be perfect on stage and and maybe you this is your first time in a house of prayer and be like, wow, this is so new and different. You know, how can I see myself on stage? And then I would say, like Joel has said, just sit in your chair and just worship. And whether it be hours, days, months, years, we want to get your heart connected with Lord and then see where can we take this talent or um, I, I almost, you know, the word that has not come up is gift because people say, oh, you're so blessed or you blessed me or you've got such a gift and a talent. And it's really hard to not make that go to your head, right? It's like, how do you separate yourself and have this talent and then there's the Lord, right? And, you know, even just like, wow, Lord, this is awesome. I know it's from you. And yet being on stage, who do people look at? They always look at the person. And I always thought, and I can't remember if it was before I came to the House of Prayer, but I thought, I always wanted to go to a church service where our seats are actually turned away from the stage or the stage is at the back. Because then what are you looking at? You're, you're not looking at anything. You're looking at the wall or the PowerPoint, um, and yet, you know, the musicians are still there, but how can we make that that focus up, right? How can we make it the vertical worship, as you talked about before? I think that's why the House of Prayer is such a good place to raise up worship leaders, because no one's engaging really with what you're doing on stage. They're in their own little area, usually their Bible out. Sometimes they'll stand in worship, but you're not, as a worship leader, you're not necessarily leading a room. You're, you are just ministering to the Lord. So if you are one of those really talented musicians and you feel called to lead worship, man, a house of prayer is a great place to start because it it helps get your heart right. Would you agree with that, Joel? Of course, I would agree with that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just thinking. I was well. I was just thinking of like, well, maybe you know, this is why that me facing the the wall is maybe a good model of what needs to happen. <laughs> Have everybody face the other way and the band is facing the other way and let's see what happens. I don't know. That's just a weird thought. But I think the the same thing happens. I know for myself as a teacher, um, I teach in the public school system and I'm currently helping teach a course for the internship. And it's exciting to teach because you're teaching the word of God and people are getting excited about, about the Lord and the scriptures and all these kinds of things. Um, but you do have to be careful because, you know, I wouldn't want to become defined by like, oh, I have this quote unquote gift of teaching, or now I'm teaching to whole crowds of people. And that's what begins to define me. And now I'm this, this gifted, excellent teacher. It's like, no, 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 no. Like I want to serve people. And if my teaching is serving people, that's great, but that cannot become my primary identity. And I think it's easy to see with the worship leader, like, you know, you don't want that to become your primary identity, but any gift you bring to the house of prayer to serve with, you just need to separate that from yourself. I think we really want the on earth as it is in heaven reality, where the ones on the stage are not the primary focus, but we are being led in a way that we are giving glory to the one sitting on the throne. Like they don't want to be the one on the throne getting the glory, but how can they lead worship in a way where it's the revelation for reality, where all eyes are fixed upon the one on the throne, this central idea of ministering to the Lord. Like, I'm not sure how you model that in a church setting. Do you guys have any thoughts of what that can look like? Because 
essentially everybody's facing you. You're on a stage. There's no literal throne in your in your house of prayer or your building. In I think it's easy to do in a house group setting. I know sometimes we have our prayer meetings in a house and we sit in a circle and sure the worship leader is leading, but they're sitting, you're all sitting. And it's really clear that they're not front and center. You're all worshiping the Lord together. And so I think in that context, it's easier. I think in a church setting, it is a little trickier because you have a stage often and you have the room oriented a certain way. Um, but yeah, I, I think in when you have a small setting, it's it's easy to do it then. So we talked about those that have all heart and little talent. And then we also talked about those that have a lot of talent, but are are lacking in the necessary heart postures and and ways to interact in a, in a house of prayer setting or a church setting. But we don't just want to toss one or the other out saying you, you can only have one or you can only have the other. We, well, I believe that we can grow in both areas. If you have, if you don't have the, the right heart, but you have all the talent, I, I've known musicians and I believe that you can grow in the place of prayer, especially in a house of prayer. It's a great setting to develop both actually. Uh, this isn't true of all spiritual communities. Uh, But the House of Prayer is really good for this, where if you don't have much talent, there is plenty of opportunity for you to grow in that, especially if you have the heart. You're going to get an opportunity to grow. There's many hours of playing and many people that are willing to help you grow in your talent and encourage you. And if you're not grounded in the heart realities, uh, you come sit in the prayer room before the Lord, like even before you get on stage and, and you let your heart grow. It's a greenhouse for your heart to grow in love with Jesus and and when those two things become balanced, that's primed for for ministry unto the Lord in in a very impactful way. And I believe that as the church, as a house of prayer, we are meant to be forerunners in in the music industry. We should we should be getting out the newest, the best stuff. We should have the best musicians in the church. Well, I think you're really painting a beautiful picture of what we want our our worship to be. We want alive hearts. We want excellent music. We want a vision of the church that is glorious. That is, the worship is is both of those things. And I think what you're saying is, is just a, a really beautiful picture of where we believe that the Lord has taken the church, that he's not going to leave us in one or the other, but he's going to develop us into this beautiful bride. Where do you see this going, Alyssa? Well, I was, I was thinking about um, being a gardener and a horticulturalist. There's only a few things that plants need. They need the sun. So you could say, we need Jesus. Um, They definitely need water, which is like the word. And then I think of other things where if you're planted correctly, you're making sure that there's no competition. One is not going to outgrow the other and take away its nutrients or its light. And you also weed a lot, right? You take out the weeds, which is interesting to see the similarities between all of them. And so one thing we either assume a lot or maybe we didn't talk about directly is that, you know, with the talent, you know, you can sound perfect with with the heart, you can try to get engaged. But there's also like the, I don't want to call it the homework, it's the, how much do you spend in the word or or whatever it is that you, that you like to do, whether it be, um, you know, practicing your instrument at home or just worshiping with other worship music or just reading the word or engaging or praying. How much of that are you doing outside of the prayer room or uh, whether it be, you know, before you go to bed or wake up in the morning is how much are you also cultivating yourself in the spirit? And I think even those listening that are part of a leadership team in a church or a house of prayer, that we need to look at these two issues, the heart and the talent, and we need to 
be the ones really encouraging the people to grow in either area. And like, I'm sure there are things that you can do to make sure that your people are accountable to these things and growing in them and making sure at home that they're practicing. If they're struggling musically, that you make the suggestions and give them areas that they can work on or you point them in the right direction to the right people that can help them. And if there's a heart thing, then you're a leader. You want to really encourage them and, and strengthen their heart and make sure that they're in the right place for their heart to grow. So so as we approach the end of this episode, it's time for another... Wait, what does that mean? So today's word is talk back. So Brian, if you walked into a house of prayer, if you're new, new person coming into the house of prayer, and all these people around you are using the term talk back, what might you think that the word talk back means in that context? What might you think it means? You sound like my teenage son. What might you the- sound like my teenage son? Really? I don't know if we're gonna get much here. Talk back? Are are you talking back to our host? Are you talking back to our host? Well, for the listeners out there, a talkback is not what Brian is doing here today. A talkback is a special device that the musicians use to talk back to their team without the rest of the room hearing. It's not as rude as Brian. It's much less rude and it's much more useful. So that's the word talkback. Now you understand when they use the word talkback. Joel oh. gave us the thumbs down. We have to do it again. No, let's just keep this one, guys. We're getting some uh, dislike in the room, but... He's talking back. How have you made this so awkward? <laughs> so the word talkback's used, and now you also know why uh, you might see the singers or, probably not the singers, but the worship leaders talking in a microphone, but nothing's actually coming out. And quite often our worship leader might talk in the talkback, and the rest of the team starts laughing for some reason. We don't know why, but it's because of the talkback mic. It can be very uh, bad sometimes because, you know, you make your team laugh, and then they can't sing anymore. But it could be very good. It's, I find it a very useful tool. That's the talkback, Mike. I love the talkback. Personally, I've thought that every uh, member on stage should have their own talkback button so that everyone could be talking to everyone the whole time. That just could have, be disastrous. But it could be pretty funny because sometimes somebody will say something on the talkback, and I want to talk back to their talkback. This would be a great podcast segment, phrases from the talkback, Mike, where you just pull them right off of the record. I don't think they get recorded, unfortunately. We should. We could, though. Those are easy to record. Well, our listeners, if that's something you want to hear, you know. It's kind of like mic'd up in a football game. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We want to hear from you guys. If, if this is something, <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> this could be really bad. So I think it's time we end this episode. So this has been a great conversation. Uh, I like the various things that came out of it. So if you want to get more information on us and join in the conversation, ask us questions. We would love to hear from our listeners. Uh, You can visit burningrooms.ca and you can contact us, get our contact information from there. Until next time, my name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Melissa. I'm Joel. And this has been the Burning Burning Rooms Podcast. Podcast. Now we're going to leave you with Your Perfect One by Ariel Jodine. Go check it out. Spotify, iTunes. Check the show notes on how you can listen to it. Connect with her on social media. And the EP comes out November 22nd. Dazzling and excellent. Fairer than the sons of men. You are purer than the finest gold. My beloved, you are to me. And I love you. From your sister, your love.
Perfect one.